It may look like an ordinary podcast, but this one's bigger on the inside, and it can travel anywhere in time and space. Pack your sonic screwdrivers and your jelly babies. Grab your hats, scarves, and tighten your bow ties. You're the companion now, so get ready to run with your hosts, Jason Hunt and Paul Gann. This is Talking Time Lords. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Talking Time Lords podcast. This is episode number two of Top 5 Doctors. I'm, as always, one of your hosts, Jason Hunt, and with me, my companion on this great podcasting audio adventure, we have Paul Gann. Hello! How are you guys doing out there? <laughs> oh, it's good to be back. Episode two. <laughs> we're, recording, we're recording this before the first episode is posted, so a little weird yes. but <laughs> but hey we had the time and we had the topic so we decided to record <laughs> <laughs> but the first episode should be posted um tonight as of recording or maybe tomorrow as of this recording um so that's exciting yes extremely we're going yes. live yes it's official <laughs> it is official um, and of course, by the time people listen to this, it'll be like, yeah, we already know this, you know, we've listened to your first episode already. So, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, um, we are going to be going through our, our list of our top five doctors on this episode uh, with a couple of honorable mentions just for good measure, because you can never have too many doctors. Um, yeah. well, in regards to the show, um, <laughs> outside of the show, yeah, you can't have too many doctors, but, um, <laughs> I'm looking forward to this, um, even if it is a very difficult topic to tackle, uh, because, you know, your favorite doctor, that's a hard, that's like picking your favorite child if you have kids or your favorite pet. Um, but before we jump into our stuff, um, I did post on our social media, um, asking if people, whose people's favorite doctor was, um, and we did get, uh, one response on Facebook and one response on Twitter. So I'm going to go ahead and, uh, read those real quick. Um, Eric Marshall on Facebook uh, left us a, a very uh, awesome uh, post here about his favorite doctors. Um, he did talk a lot, so I'm going to edit it for uh, the podcast, but uh, he broke it down into a couple of categories. He said um, his favorite doctor by favorite actor, favorite new who doctor, favorite classic doctor, and then favorite doctor from the big finish audios. Um, his favorite actor as the doctor is the current doctor, Peter Capaldi favorite new who doctor is Matt Smith. Number 11, even though Tennant holds a dear place to his heart. Um, favorite classic doctor is a bit of a surprise. Um, and that is the sixth doctor, Colin Baker and his favorite big finish doctor, uh, to no surprise is the eighth doctor, Paul McGann. So, uh, <laughs> awesome. Uh, thank you for those, uh, Eric. And then over on Twitter at Enza0305 uh, says, definitely the 10th Doctor. Then I'd say the 11th and 9th 
and 12th comes last. So thank you already for those responses. Um, <laughs> it's nice to get responses from uh, our, our listeners before they've even heard our first episode. Exactly. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> so we really do appreciate those responses. Um, and that's something that we want to keep doing um, as the podcast yes. goes along, folks. So uh, be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter so that you can interact with us when we put out these little things. Because if it happens to pertain to our upcoming podcast, you may hear your comment on the show. Um, but now let's get into our lists, Paul. Um, <laughs> first of all, I do want to preface this by saying um, my list could change tomorrow or maybe even tonight. Yes. Um, as far as the order here. Um, I and almost it's very... changed mine today, like three times. <laughs> So, <laughs> <laughs> yes, and um, it's very difficult to to put this in order because you like things about all the doctors. There, you know, there's a lot of similarities between them, but then there's a lot of unique things to each of them that it's like, ah, oh, but I like it when this doctor does that or that doctor does this, and yes, so it's very difficult to to make this decision. Um, I, I messaged Jason earlier today and I said, "How many honorable mentions can I have? Can I have like three? Or <laughs> we decided to keep it to two, so. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, but let's let's start with those honorable mentions. Um, I'll go ahead and give my first honorable mention, and then we'll get to you, Paul. Um, my first honorable honorable mention uh, was actually listed by Eric, um, and that is the sixth Doctor Colin Baker. And I put him here as an honorable mention because uh, he is the Doctor that's probably most overlooked. Um, I would say that, yeah. And uh, you know. Whether or not you like some of his stories um, is besides the point, because if you focus just on the Doctor as a character, he's actually a very interesting character, um, and a very, and he does live up to the idea of the Doctor, at least in my opinion. Um, he's, you know, a bit more theatrical and a bit more um, erratic, especially at first. Manic. Um, manic is yes. another word that he that has been used to describe <laughs> him. Um, but... Uh, but he does settle down after a while, and he is, uh, you know, in fact, the doctor. You know, <laughs> he's, and there's a lot of that that comes through. Um, so I did want to make sure that he got a, a nice mention here um, as an honorable mention. So and I figure for the honorable mentions, we'll keep those a little bit shorter than our, our full. Yeah. He, he had oh. a, he had a, uh, an evolution uh, as the doctor as well. You know, his portrayal changed the same way that some of the other doctors' portrayals changed. And I will be honest and say that. I think the later episodes that he was in, I enjoy a, his portrayal a lot more uh, as it goes along than I did in the first beginning part of that because mm -hmm. he was so extremely manic and everything. I just didn't know how to feel about that. Yeah. Uh, and it was very interesting because, um, you know, the, the writers and Colin himself um, took a big risk with right. taking the Doctor in a new direction. Um, and I think as far as his portrayal, I think it was a success. Yes. You know, whether or not the, the story writing and the script oh, I writing. I enjoy it. I, I yeah, really do. You know, and I and I know some of the you know, the stories and, and scripts that, that were written and the stories that were filmed, some people have, you know, problems with and you know, I like some more than others, but you know, despite the perceived problems that people may have with some of his episodes, uh his portrayal I think is is consistently one of the high points. Um, some of those things actually, I, I like to say that some of those things uh, are before their time because mm -hmm. you can go back now and look at those portrayals 
and see them in a completely different way now than you would have seeing it back when they first came out because the expectation I think is different now than what it was back when they were first released. Right. All right. I agree. Well, who is your first honorable mention? Uh, my first honorable mention is actually uh, John Pertwee. Uh, oh, very yes. nice. Um, and I say that because um, of a couple of things. Um, I think that they took a, a big risk, at least in my opinion, with the the wardrobe change um, mm. because yes. uh, he was more of a flamboyant type dresser. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, by the way, folks, in case you aren't familiar, John Pertwee is the third doctor. Yes. <laughs> yes. Sorry. <laughs> I, yes. Anyway, continue. Um, but uh, one of the things that I, that I noticed, um, at least in my uh, watching it, is uh, he is the first incarnation of the Doctor where you see him um, as more, uh, I guess you would say, a, a heroic type leading character, um, mm. almost like James Bond. So, yes. You know, sort of. Um because he, he does have a few action scenes and things like that, whereas mm-hmm. you did not see a lot of that in previous incarnations of the Doctor. Um, and, yes. And he is, his, his persona as the Doctor is more, um, how would you say, I don't want to say in your face. Uh, it's, more, <laughs> it's, it's more direct, it's more, more plain spoken, it's more of... Uh, this is what I'm going to do right now, and this is what the result is going to be, and you know you're not going to like it. You know, uh, it, it he he doesn't uh, sway or or dodge the conflict with uh, with his enemy or whatever. He just hits it, you know, head on. Right. Um, whereas what you see is what you get. Yes, uh, and he's he's very plain spoken, and mm-hmm. and he's not dry about it. He he's very passionate in the way that he portrays the character. But mm-hmm. he's just no nonsense, almost like, well, like I said, almost like um, uh, some of the new James Bond movies uh, mm-hmm. that you see. I yeah, think. he 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 does have some of the the gadgets occasionally uh, that make you think of some of the early James Bond things. <laughs> the the um, yellow car. <laughs> oh, he's he's got he's got Bessie, and folks, yes. if you don't know who his car Bessie is, you should check it out. Um, it's it's quite something, and. Uh, He's not the only Doctor Who to have driven it, um, but he is the first. And yeah, he he does have a couple of James Bond moments, um, mm-hmm. which is it's, it's a good way of putting it. <laughs> um, he is very dashing and charismatic. Yes, um, you know he's much more of a like like you said more of a leading man type figure right. than the two previous Doctors before him. Um, and it's funny though, while while the Doctor always talks about how he doesn't like weapons. Um, and he's adverse to fighting. Uh, that never stopped the third Doctor from using his Venusian karate um, <laughs> at every chance he got. So... <laughs> yeah, I noticed that too. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yeah, he he did have a couple of those. Um, it's funny. Occasionally, if you're watching very closely, you can uh, the the stunt man doing some of the uh, his stunts wasn't quite as cleverly disguised. Um, <laughs> in some shots as compared to others. Uh, I think there was one shot that made it in that, where I think the stuntman's wig started to come off that I noticed. And I was like, oh, that's brown I've, hair I've, under I've that. I've not paid that close attention yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is, you know, on the second or third viewing, noticing these things. But, you know, <laughs> anyway, um, 
I will jump into my my next honorable honorable mention, um, and that being William Hartnell, um, because you can't talk about the show. Yes, you can't talk about the show without giving credit to the man who started it all um, as the first Doctor. So, and yeah, he's you know he's definitely probably one of the more unique approaches to the Doctors because they were laying foundations completely and figuring out how the show was going to work with him. And, you know, when you used, you know, an elderly actor like him, like William was, sometimes you had to, um, you know, edit the story or deal with the story in a different way because of his limitations. But I think it worked very well. Um, And I especially like him as he gets on, you know, later on. He also has um, an interesting development because, you know, from the very first season, he's usually a bit more gruff and slightly more antagonistic towards... um, you know, the, his companions, uh, you know, initially he doesn't want companions at all. And he's just trying to get rid of them and dump them off the you know, next convenient location. <laughs> um, but by the end of, of his run, you know, he's much more of a shrewd, clever, grandfatherly type, um, which is f- a funny collection of adjectives there. But it works for him. Um, and and I really like it. Um, you know, you you can't have Doctor Who without, like I said, without giving credit to, to the man who started it all. Um, and if you haven't seen um, the the docudrama Adventure in Time and Space, you really should. Um, oh, yes. that That is great. It's so amazing. It gives a great insight to uh, his journey as the Doctor and just the whole process of getting Doctor Who made, you know, as a show. So, um, back in the early 60s. So, uh, but yeah, that's my other honorable mention. There was something that I wanted to point out about that, but I'm I'm kind of nervous to do it because I don't know who else is on your list, and I don't want <laughs> I don't want well, to. Well, if well, um, <laughs> it's all right. You know, I can say I'll save comment, and people will know it's on my list, but they won't know where. So, well, um, what I was going to say is uh, the portrayal of the Doctor that um, Hartnell uh, did also kind of reminds me of the performance uh, of the War Doctor. Mm. A little bit, um, because they are s- more similar in their personalities. Um, yeah, and and I want, I don't know if that was planned or if that was just something that happened. Um, mm. And I, I even saw the parallels um, with the uh, poking fun of each other in the 50th anniversary episode uh, versus him poking fun at the other two in the Three Doctors uh, story oh, arc for the 10th anniversary. <laughs> Oh man! Uh, yes, <laughs> yes, it, folks. You know the the best the best part of the tenth anniversary Three Doctors episode is when William Hartnell first shows up, and he looks at John Pertwee and Patrick Troughton and says, "Oh, so you're my replacements, a dandy and a clown." And, you know. So it's it's yes. one of the best. You know, and he does it better than I do. So, um, and then of course in the fiftieth anniversary episode, you hear him talking about grandfather and sand shoes yes uh <laughs> which is a, a i think a callback to the three doctors <laughs> it could be it could be there's so much doctor who that either they're deliberately calling back or indirectly referencing things just because if they you know they've run out of all the original material you know i don't know anyways um 
But no, I hadn't made that connection to the portrayal of the War Doctor before. I always saw Peter Capaldi a little bit more like the First Doctor than well, anybody it, else. It's not identical, uh, right. because the War Doctor, of course, is a lot more traumatized. He's a lot more uh, weather, you know, and beaten down because of the the the, uh, the time war and everything. But there is still some of that portrayal in the underlying pers- personality of the War Doctor. I think. Hmm. Cool. I will have to rewatch that episode and and take note of that he treats he treats uh tenet's doctor and smith's doctor almost the same way that hartwell treats uh hartley and and troughton that's true that's true although that may just be a doctor thing you know (laughs) oh i'm better than you guys i'm better than my my later incarnations almost almost as if he's talking to them like children or something (laughs) i can't believe i turned into those guys you know um so who's your final honorable mention uh, Patrick Troughton, actually. Very nice. Uh, yes, uh, because I, this is just my opinion, but I feel like without uh, pa- uh, Patrick Troughton, um, we would not have the Doctor Who that we have today. And what I mean by that is uh, he was the first Doctor to truly bring humor into the role um, to the point of actually doing uh, some ad-libbing uh, on screen, you know, um, and uh, and just trying to not poke fun at the character, but just not take himself so seriously that he couldn't have fun with the role. Mm -hmm. Um, Because you can tell when he's playing that character that he's having a blast doing it, you know? Um, And, and I think, I think his portrayal uh, carries over into some of the other personas of the doctor. Um, Oh yeah. Um, I I, I think Matt's, uh, Matt Smith specifically says yes. that he pulled a lot from Patrick Troughton. So even some of the mannerisms and stuff with his hands mm-hmm. and things like that. Um, but of course, none of the portrayals are identical. None of them are trying to copy one another. But right. you see homage paid to the portrayal of of the character through some of the performances, just by little quirks and things that that the actors choose to do. Right. Uh, and and I think that without Troughton in that role when he was in that role that uh i think that it it wouldn't be the same show today if it was even still around because i really think that that because of that portrayal of the character and because it was a more lighthearted portrayal and because it was um still exciting still you know i'm gonna you know keep you on the edge of your seat with the stories and things like this. It was still, it made it more fun because he had that little bit of whimsy in there that, Mm -hmm. that, that kept you, uh, uh, smiling when you didn't think you were going to be smiling and, and just, it just made the character really likable, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I completely agree. And I will save my thoughts on Patrick Troughton for later. (laughs) Um, and so with that, we will jump into our top five lists um, with my number five being Christopher Eccleston as the ninth doctor. So and and this may be influenced by the fact that in my watch through, I have just finished Christopher Eccleston and I'm a couple episodes into David Tennant. But, um, you know, having been recently reacquainted with the awesomeness that is Christopher Eccleston and his fantastic portrayal fantastic. as the yes, as the ninth doctor. <laughs> Um, I couldn't help but put him on my list here somewhere. So, um, as as someone to who basically helped restart the show back in two thousand five, mm-hmm. um, 
I don't think we could have gotten a better uh, a better person to to reintroduce us to the world of Doctor Who um, and to invite us back onto the TARDIS, in, you know, for the first time in you know many many years. Um, and and he's just a, a quirky character, you know. Obviously, he's a bit more serious than some of the other Doctors, and he's got the tough you know look to him <laughs> with the leather jacket. But my favorite moments with him is like when he's grinning from ear to ear, you know, this time everybody <laughs> lives is one of my favorite moments of, of the doctor. And, you know, he's always ready with some sort of quip. You know, he looks tough. He sounds kind of tough. But if you take a minute to listen to what the heck he's saying, he's a big softy and he's always joking. Um, <laughs> you know, so. Um, I love it. I love him as the doctor. And, and I mentioned this to Paul in our conversation beforehand. I think he's of the, the new who regenerations and maybe even all of the regenerations. I think he's got the best farewell line, you know, you know, with the you know, Rose, you were fantastic. And you know what? So was I, you know, it, it was, you know, it was one of the best. I think it might be my favorite farewell line of all of them actually now that i i'm going back and replaying the other ones considering that some of them never even got a farewell line they just right you know (laughs) right um you know but but yeah i think of all of them that's my favorite of them so uh but yeah that that's eccleston's my number nine or my number five excuse me so you want to he is number nine you want to know something interesting What's interesting? Eccleston is my number five. <laughs> We're on the same page here. By the way, folks, we made our list and we don't know each other's list. So you know, this is as much of a reveal for each other as it is for you guys. So we did not plan this. <laughs> well, I mean, for me, um, it's like you said, he's, he's fantastic, you know. Um, but... Uh, one of the things uh, that I that I did notice about him, and I think it's one of the things that I think is so compelling about the way that he portrays a character, is that even though he is, you know, smiling all the time and making these quips and things like this, part part not all, but part of the reason that he's doing that is because he is hiding the fact that he's mm-hmm. so so tormented about the events that he believes happened during the time war. Um, yeah, and and the fact that he believes that he is the only one of his people left. Um, yeah, and uh, and you don't really and truly get a chance to see that until the sixth episode in that season, uh, which is the Dalek episode, and mm-hmm. then you you literally see him come unhinged, uh, yeah. almost become a completely different person. And the way he portrays that character, um, right? And uh, so, as opposed to being, uh, I would say, manic or bipolar or something like that, he is very clearly very. He's calculated in how he hides the torment that's that's underneath the surface, and he's he is he is a very wounded yes doctor and, and emotionally he's, he's very guarded at first with rose in not wanting to tell her anything about his past or where he's from mm-hmm. or anything like that um and and i think part of that's just good storytelling but i think part of that adds depth to the character uh and in the way that he portrays the character and in the way that that he um uh exposes those layers almost like peeling back an onion mm-hmm 
and and I think that was one of the the really cool ways that they that they kept the character having depth for the new series was to not reveal everything up front. They they let you kind of learn things about what has happened in the past along with the people in the show. Right. Right. And Rose was definitely our our connecting point yes. for all that. So um, they did it very well. And, uh, you know, I, I wish Eccleston had more time, you know, as the doctor, but I think, right. I think, I think you could say that about all of them, you know, at least I could, I could say that about all well, of them. Well, you know, he, he approached them to play that role. He actually approached them. They did not approach him. He approached them and asked them if they would allow him to play that role. Um, he, he wanted to play that role. Um, I was not aware of that. And uh, recently, uh, in an interview, he didn't go into detail or anything, but uh, I think I sent you the link on that one. Um, recently, recently, in an interview, he said that the reason why he he left the show was because of creative creative differences. Yes. Uh, I, I think he wanted to take the character in a different direction than, than what the showrunners did, and they just couldn't agree on what to do with the character. Yeah. So... And that's what happened there. But we love we love Eccleston, and we miss him. And you know, oh yeah, uh, it was it was always nice to have him there. But um, <laughs> we've got more to get to on our list. He's in our uh, top seeing... five for a reason. <laughs> yes, he is. Um, but you know, to get on with the top five, my number four um, is Patrick Troughton. So uh, you mentioned him as your one of your honorable mentions, um, and I think he did. He had one of the hardest jobs in Doctor Who being the first regenerated doctor. Um, he took the biggest risks. Yeah, he yeah. And um just the fact that this was a show that the first time that they've ever done something like this and they regenerate and give a new actor for the leading character in a TV show. Um you know, it very risky thing on the showrunner's part and you know of all the people to pick up that mantle and run with it um I just had a thought. <laughs> uh, you know, Patrick Houghton did a very good job um, in that very large, ill-fitting jacket um, that looked more like a, a, a set of buzzard wings than anything else. I, I, um, I just had a thought about the writers that wrote this thing into the show and looking at each other and going, we're going to get lynched. You know this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. They probably almost did, but it was one of those things where it just was so shocking. Nobody had time to process it before it was on to the next one. Um, but he did a great job, I think, you know, in, in breathing, you know, fresh life. I won't say new life because uh, there was still life in the doctor um, as a character, but, you know, bringing breathing fresh life and a different life into the doctor um, and taking the show in a place it, to a place where it could continue on for, you know, ever. You know, and uh, proving that this concept of regeneration could work. They so. could have just picked a lookalike and put a white wig on him and said, you know, we're going to try to, you know, make it look like we've not changed anything. Or, right. You know, but they chose not to do that. They went in a very unconventional, very unconventional direction and it worked. Yeah. And and he's a great doctor. He's smart and crafty, but he's like you said before, he's very funny. Um, you know, and, and while the, the first doctor had some humor, you know, it was more wit and um, than than anything, and, and this doctor uh, definitely uh, Patrick Troughton definitely had a bit more uh, physical humor uh, in the character as well, and and the character was obviously a lot more physical um, just in general because of the age difference between the actors, uh, which 
I'm a fan of physical comedy, you know, as, as someone who's <laughs> an actor and, you know, has done, you know, theater before. I like the more physical roles uh, because it's more entertaining and interesting for me. Um, I know some people aren't big fans of slapstick. I am. Um, you know, <laughs> Looney Tune, Three Stooges. Yes. I like that stuff. Anyways. Um, and while, while I don't think Troughton ever, you know, fell into the range of, you know, slapstick, he definitely was a much more physically comedic. Yes. Um, actor than William Hartnell was and um, definitely a very you know he, he's often referred to as I believe it's the cosmic hobo um, yes was, was his his uh, you know moniker you know where, whereas Matt Smith is the madman with a box and, and you know tenants the oncoming storm is a tenant or Eccleston's the oncoming storm uh, it was, or is it both of them I think both yeah, yeah both um, but yes, uh, the, Troughton the, was the neat thing about Troughton too is that he used the physical comedy in the character to uh, misdirect uh, his enemies yes. and and things to outwit them. You know, because he's he has a plan the whole time. They don't realize what his plan is because they're paying attention to the you know little quirky things that he's doing. Yeah, he's you know <laughs> he's a dorky looking little unassuming person that you know people quickly and very easily make the mistake of underestimating. And I think um, we've he... seen that type of, of uh, scenario uh, in other doctors as well. Oh, yes. Um, <laughs> and of course, he uses that much to his advantage. And so it's very, it's very neat to see when he goes from, you know, the, the goofy, almost laughable type of persona that he portrays from time to time to very serious, I'm going to end the situation now sort of, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, persona that that ends up coming out. Um, yes, you know that seeing that transition and watching everybody else's responses to it in the show uh, <laughs> is generally one of the more interesting moments of those particular episodes. So, and he does it without coming off as bipolar. Right, right. He's like, "Ha! You <laughs> thought you thought you had me, but I have you." You know that sort of thing. It's it's one of those things. Um, but yes, that's why Patrick Troughton is my my number four pick for uh, my favorite Doctor. Who's, who's oh, number four oh, on your no, list? Let's, let's not forget, oh. he's also the first Doctor to introduce Jelly Babies. Uh, that is true. And the Sonic <laughs> Screwdriver. And the Sonic Screwdriver. You know, while um, while Tom Baker is remembered for the Jelly Babies, Patrick Troughton did it first. Um, <laughs> and he's he's the first Doctor with a Sonic Screwdriver, too. So, And it looks almost like a pen, but it's not. Um, but yes. <laughs> Anyways, who's your number four? My number four is Sylvester McCoy. Oh, excellent! Yes, um, there's a lot of uh, a lot of the same type of uh, physical comedy that he brings to the role, uh, and it's not the same type of physical comedy that Troughton brought to the role, but it it, it is there, uh, and mm -hmm. and I like the fact that where with like for example with Troughton he he brought the flute in. Is one of his quirky little man mannerisms. Uh, with with uh, McCoy, he plays the spoons, you know. Yes. Um, and he's got that umbrella. Uh, I, the the thing about uh, McCoy, though, uh, that I uh, I think I brought this up before the show started. Um, he comes off to me sometimes as a bit ADD. <laughs> so I really relate to the character because I I'm ADD myself, and uh, <laughs> he's it's it's almost like. Uh, he knows what needs to be done. He he knows uh, how to handle the situation, but he's he's right there on the verge of being distracted, 
Uh, you know what I mean? It, it's 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 almost like I know this is important. I know that that this needs to be handled. But oh look, there's a pretty butterfly, you know. And, <laughs> and and I think that that really adds a lot of humor and a lot of character uh, to that uh, uh, portrayal because um, I I think that he plays the character seriously, but he plays the character with the physical comedy and the the slight ADD uh, uh, twist, so that. Uh, he can he's almost like uh you know poking the fans and saying look i'm i'm playing a serious character but i'm not taking myself too seriously while i do it you mm-hmm. know um and uh i i like i like that portrayal of the character i think that uh, uh well i like the outfit too i think the outfit's <laughs> really cool um you know some people don't get it i think it's really cool i like the hat i like the umbrella um now can part of it be just a little bit too in your face with the question marks and stuff? Maybe, maybe, but I don't really care. You know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and, and one of the things that I noticed about the Trouton episodes, um, is, the McCoy episodes, I'm sorry, my bad McCoy episodes. Yes. yes. One of the things I noticed about the McCoy episodes is that, um, you start to see that transition, uh, in visual style and in music and things like that, that, begin to take you in the direction of the uh, new series. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, it feels more like the new series as that, as those episodes progress, it gets closer and closer and closer to that. Um, and so almost like if I was watching the end of, of the uh, uh, McCoy run and then watching the beginning of the Eccleston run, it almost feels like that they can book in together and feel like the tone sort of matches there yeah Um, there's a lot of real world feel to the way that those shows are shot you know there's a lot of outside scenes and things Mm -hmm. like that uh and i i think that that actually uh at least for me makes the show feel more grounded you don't feel like you're on a set all the time you know you're sure there's sets but you know for a lot of those episodes you know they're out they're outside in you know real world settings and things like that uh, right, and, and it gives a, a different feel to that when when they are in those situations. Right, and this may come as a surprise to some of our listeners, but I will reserve comment on Sylvester McCoy. <laughs> um, so, uh, because you, you know, as the doctor who was the you know as the actor who was the doctor when the show got canceled, some people were like, oh, it's all his fault, you know, which it wasn't. It was BBC. Oh, he does a phenomenal job. Yeah, BBC was just trying to end that show for whatever reason you know anyways um i will not get into it here um i have (laughs) issues with the late 80s bbc um many issues anyways but we will not talk about that they've they've mended their ways since um (laughs) but my number three doctor uh is going to be david tennant as the 10th doctor um you know he's you know which isn't a surprise to a lot of lists you know you know it may be surprising to some that he's this low on my list um you know because i know he's generally um in polls uh, one of the top vote getters uh, as far as favorite doctors are concerned depending on which poll you get he's usually either one or two but he's number three for me um and he's just a fun quirky doctor you know you love going on adventures with david Tennant. you know he's <laughs> what what sold it for me um 
when I first was watching his episodes and I had just finished Eccleston and I was going into David Tennant, what sold it for me is in that first episode, The Christmas Invasion, when he's talking to the Sycorax and he's talking about the human race and he goes into, you know, just look at these people. And there's a blinking step into the sun. There's more to see than ever can, can ever be seen. More to do than... No, hold on. I'm sorry, that's the Lion King. And that's what sold me on David Tennant as the Doctor. I was like, he just referenced my favorite Disney movie. He's awesome. Um, you know, so... Uh, it's that sort of thing where, where he doesn't take himself very seriously at all. You know, he's but he's got very dark moments, especially as you get towards the end oh, of his yes. run. He gets very dark, um, which is interesting. But he definitely, you know, just the whole arc of his character is, is one of the more fun doctors, um, I think. And uh, he's um, oh, goodness, I was going to say something and now I lost it. But um I don't know where I was going with that, but uh, he definitely has some amazing moments. And I, as I said, on my watch through, I'm, I think I'm about four or five episodes into his, um, his run as the doctor. And so I'm still a little, I'm a little f hazy on some of the specific moments um, that he has that I would have mentioned otherwise. Um, so I don't have specifics at the moment, but just as the doctor, um, and the journey he takes us on, you know, as the we get reintroduced to the master, you know, as, as oh, yeah. you know, he changes companions every season. He loses Rose, then Martha comes in and leaves. And then we have Donna, who leaves in a very, very tragic way, in my opinion. Um, you know, and just the complete gambit of ups and downs that he goes on. You know, you get sucked in with David Tennant, you know, no doubt about it. Um, and he's probably the... You know, obviously Eccleston had a great love for the character, you know, going into it, but he's probably the real, the first real fanboy of Doctor Who oh, yeah. to to <laughs> end up playing the character. Um, yeah. The first, you know, Doctor Who fanboy who got to play the Doctor, you know. So uh, just seeing that, you know, and sometimes seeing how that breaks through just a little bit in his portrayal wow. is a bit is a bit fun to me, you know. Wow. <laughs> You know, you know. allons-y. Exactly. You know. I will. But yes. I'm in. Okay. <laughs> Excellent. Um, but I guess it's time for uh, Paul. Your number three. Who is your third favorite doctor? My, my number three is Matt Smith. Oh, very nice. Yes. Um, I got really, really attached to Matt Smith as the doctor. Um. And like I said uh, on the last episode, uh, it took me a minute to uh, warm up to him uh, because his portrayal was so different uh, mm -hmm. from what had been there before. But once I warmed up to him, I was like, this guy is the doctor. I mean, it's just he, he was so effortless, so natural in the way that he portrayed the character. I could see... Uh, little hints of, like I said before, of uh, some of the uh, callbacks to previous incarnations, uh, but they were very, very subtle, and uh, the majority of what he did was completely original. Um, and and I, I really, I thought that even though you look at him and you think he could portray this character sort of like 
uh, Pertwee did, you know, as kind of the leading man or whatever, because he's so mm-hmm. tall, you know, he's so tall and, you know, he's got the hair and, and everything. And, <laughs> but he chose to play the character in a way that is completely against what you would see the character being if you looked at him on the outside. And I, th- mm-hmm. I think that that is so true to, to Doctor Who. Um, I mean, you you look at a lot of the the actors that have played the character before, and a lot of the portrayals don't match what the, the actor looks like on the outside. <laughs> That's they just true. Don't. I mean, it's almost reflective of the TARDIS. You know, the TARDIS doesn't look the same on the inside as it does on the outside. Well, the Doctor is not the same on the inside as he is on the outside. Uh, it's almost that's, like a, par- a parallel. That's very true. <laughs> that's very true. See, this is why you're the co-host of the show. You make things like that that I completely overlook. Um, maybe it's just because you've you've been exposed to it much longer than I have. But um, my, my wife says I overthink things, but, you know. <laughs> well, that's good for podcasts. Um, Matt Smith isn't on my list, probably because he's the doctor I am, and this is going to sound weird, I'm least familiar with, um, okay. because he's the one that we've just had, you know. Um, but just due to the way that I was watching it at the time, um, I kind of sped through all his episodes to get through, you know, get them all done before... Capaldi started um and and I think last episode I said that Matt Smith's final episode or final season was the first one I watched live and that's not true um it's actually Capaldi Capaldi was the first season I watched live yeah which is weird um I it was one of those things where uh it was that long break between um the end of uh Matt Smith's season and the you know beginning of Capaldi's and mm-hmm. I ended up you know watching it on through DVDs at a friend's house um, and it was one of those things where I, I was trying to make sure I was all caught up before the 50th anniversary right. you know before the 50th anniversary before the Christmas episode and the, before the new series started so you didn't um, have as much time to digest it as you wanted no I haven't you know he's a great doctor I love him he's fantastic and he's funny and you know he's great and he's got some you know good moments and stuff like that but he's he's the one I've had the least time to digest and I'm actually really looking forward to getting back to him on my, my watch through that I'm doing. So he has some um, dark moments too. He does. Yeah, no, he's, uh, you know, he, he's a bit of a, you know, he's a bit like Troughton in the fact, you know, and this makes sense because that's where he drew a lot of stuff from, but he's a bit like Troughton in the fact that he's, you know, young and goofy looking, you know, you know, goofy acting, you know, when you first meet him, but you don't want to cross him, you know, he's, he's actually the youngest actor to ever play the role. So, yes, yeah, that is, that is true. You know, the second youngest being uh, Peter Davidson. So, um, but yeah, no, I'm glad that we got to talk about, um, Matt Smith, uh, because it's some, somebody that I'm really looking forward to, to going back and getting reacquainted and, you know, know him better you know, as the doctor, you know, as, as I get back to his episodes. One of the things that, that I like about that too, is that you, at least in my opinion, you get to see more of a character development, more of a, of a character arc, I guess, uh, an evolution with Matt Smith's incarnation of the doctor. than you get to see with both Eccleston and Tennant's doctors. Um, there's more of a change in, in, uh, Matt Smith's doctor from the very beginning to the very end of his run, uh, than there is with the previous two incarnations. Um, yeah. he changes so much 
in that role uh, in, in in his uh, uh, character arc. Um, even from the the point of how he dresses, you know, he he starts out dressing in the the tweed coat and and uh, everything, and by the time you get to the end of it, he has the the long coat and you know the more aged looking apparel, I guess. Um, I that's my favorite outfit of his is the purple and, coat. So uh, it, it almost gives you the the um, the feeling that his his incarnation has matured over time and it, it reflects in his clothing, you know? Yeah. yeah. Very neat. Very neat. I guess that means we're at number two. Yes. All right. <laughs> well, my number two um, is going to be the seventh doctor, Sylvester McCoy. Um, <laughs> I, I won't complain about that one. <laughs> I really like him as the doctor. Uh, it, Maybe it's because I really like the way he, he portrays characters in general. You know, I, I've seen him in a couple of different things. Um, and so I'm a, I'm a bit of a fan of Sylvester McCoy. But as the Doctor, um, he definitely, uh, when they first started, he has a very dramatic uh, change um, yes. from his first season to his second season as far as the way he's portrayed and the way he's written and how he behaves. Um, he starts off very much in a, you know, Troughton-esque, Chaplin-esque, right. uh, you know, sort of doctor uh, in his first season. And he's very much, you know, got, you know, he's a bit more slapstick than um, even Troughton was at, at times, um, but never, like, out of control. No. Um, it's it's very, in my opinion, you know, as someone who, you know, is has seen behind the scenes of this sort of, you know, craft... <laughs> um, it's very, you know, interesting to, to see the way that he incorporates all the physicality into the Doctor. And I really like when he's running and they turn corners. He's got the Chaplin-esque, you know, you know, skipping on one <laughs> foot as he goes around the corner. You know, for some reason, that I love that that aspect of him. But in his second season, he becomes a much darker, much darker yes. character um, in the way that he uh, he starts manipulating events and going back and fixing things that have been bothering him. Um, you know, that, that he's left undone. Which is um, interesting when you think about the fact that previous incarnations of him have said, don't do this. This is exactly, this is a no, no, you know, exactly. <laughs> and he, and he goes back and he's like, I was too lenient in this situation, or I left this unresolved. I need to go back and fix this. I need to rectify this situation. And he's, you start seeing the fact that the doctor keeps tabs on all these different things and if things aren't working out the way he thinks they should, in this incarnation, he goes back and does something about it. Um, and I won't say exactly how this happens and why this happens, but uh, this incarnation of the Doctor may have done something. And, and I don't know if this is official canon or if this is just uh, fan theory, uh, but he may be the one responsible for the beginning of the Time War. Um, ah. In... in what he did at the end of his Dalek episodes in remembrance of the Daleks. Um, and I don't know, have you seen those episodes yet, uh, uh, Paul? Not yet, no. Okay, I will, then I will not say I've, anything I've else. Seen, I've seen the scene with Davros uh, where he's, you know, the one that you sent yes. me. Uh, yes. But uh, I, I've not yes. seen all of those, no. His, his actions, you know, in the final episode of that arc may be uh, the instigating factor that caused the Daleks to come back and start the time war, um, you know, a couple of years down the line or whatever it is. Um, so 
he's especially in later episodes he's not someone to be trifled with he's uh a very determined and driven doctor in the fact that he is going to see this through and he's going to make the situation right whether people in the situation like it or not um you know he still has some of his jokes and he's very warm and you know uh affectionate towards his companions and the the allies that they meet along the way but he definitely thinks you know like all doctors thinks he's the best you know and the smartest man <laughs> in the room um but uh this doctor doesn't take the time to explain you know as much as the other doctors did um he's like I'll just you'll catch up later or whatever and I'll <laughs> I'll tell you later you know and he never does um but uh but yeah so he's a very interesting doctor and and he's someone he his costume his uh is one that I want to to get you know and, and cosplay as as the seventh doctor at some point so I, I like um, his motorcycle scene in survival <laughs> <laughs> yes yes he um that's his last episode uh his last episodes with the master um you know unless you want to count the the tv movie uh where he makes a all too brief appearance um at the <laughs> beginning of that because we have to see him regenerate um in the morgue of all places um <laughs> <laughs> and then he but, has um, temporary amnesia <laughs> of course of course you know uh, what, uh, like, what i was like gonna, many of... what i was going to mention earlier um uh i think I, I brought this up before the show but i didn't want to uh I didn't want to go into a lot of detail. Um, I personally think that uh, the reason why um, his persona was so, uh, how do you put it, scattered or scatterbrained Mm -hmm. at the very beginning uh, is because of what was done to him um, by the Ronnie, um, Hmm. where she injected him in an attempt to give him amnesia. Uh, because you didn't see those behaviors come out until after he wakes back up. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you didn't hear him uh, using uh, the uh, incorrect endings for the, you know, phrases and things like that. The, and, yeah, the different sayings, you know, yes. you know time and time mel- melts the snowman. Yes. Wait the snowman. <laughs> Who's waiting? I'm ready. Let's go. You, know. you didn't hear those kinds of things from him. And you didn't, the, as far as the physical, you know, aspects of it, the only thing you really saw before that happened was him trip and fall down the stairs because he was still kind of disoriented from the regeneration Mm -hmm. process and the fact that he'd been unconscious. Um, But then after you see her giving him the injection in an attempt to give him amnesia, then you see him come back and, and he's misquoting all these phrases and he's kind of scatterbrained and kind of, you know, he's still the smartest man in the room, but (laughs) he's just kind of, unfocused i guess would be the the best way to put it and 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 i i related the two things together that that's my interpretation that's smart that is smart (laughs) and and as you said earlier he his episodes definitely um in terms of tone and visual style start to to trend towards where we end up seeing eccleston's episodes pick up um they're much more action-packed uh Lots more explosions. Um, there's his episodes, a lot of similarities to the music. Yeah. No. Um, you know, they're obviously a bit more 80s sounding because right. it was done in the 80s. Um, but yes, the way the music is composed um, and used is definitely a, a lot more similar. Um, 
Although his episodes, some of them anyways, uh, may have the most explosions per episode um, <laughs> than any of them, yes. um, which is kind of cool. Thanks to Ace. Um, oh, yes. Oh, yes. Um, I'm still more... catching up on those. I, I've only seen a few story arcs, but I'm catching right. up. So Good. Good. <laughs> um, all right. Well, who is your number two? My number two is Tom Baker. Oh, very nice. Yes. Uh, he's my first doctor. He is uh, always going to have the special place in my heart as the doctor. Uh, I mean, the man played the, the role for seven seasons. I think he must have been doing something right. Uh, <laughs> uh, and, and the thing, one of the things that I think was, was uh, interesting about his portrayal of the doctor is the fact that um, uh, he's clearly, well, he's clearly not the oldest doctor. He's clearly not the youngest doctor. He's somewhere in the middle. But mm -hmm. you get this grown man almost, it's not quite, but almost playing a child, you know, <laughs> because of, you know, the, the way that he, and, and, and it's not an intelligence thing. It's not, you know, it's more of, I think, an outlook than it is um, anything else uh, because he, he knows he's the smartest man in the room. He knows he's the, um, he knows that, you know, how to fix these situations. He knows what needs to be done most of the time. There's a few times that he that he's perplexed, but, um, <laughs> uh, well, I say that because of uh, what is it? Uh, I can't remember the name of it. It's the the origin of the Daleks storyline. Uh, mm. There's there's a lot. genesis of the Daleks. Yes, I was going to say that, but I didn't want to mess it up. Um, he uh, he he's got a lot of uh, events that happen in that storyline, especially that make him very perplexed and not really knowing what needs to be done. Uh, and mm -hmm. he, you know, there are some assumptions and, and things made in that storyline. Uh, and I don't want to spoil it for the people that haven't seen it, but, uh, there are some assumptions and things that, uh, actually, at least from the way that it comes off to me, he actually made some of the wrong decisions in that storyline and then didn't know what to do in order to try to fix those decisions. Um, you know, so, He's a very complex, uh, pers mm -hmm. you know, persona, uh, but he, you know, he has that big grin and that, you know, those, those wild eyes and it, he's just, he comes off as a very childlike, uh, persona, I think of the doctor. Um, and that probably can carry over a little bit into my number one doctor as well. But, um, uh, one of the things that I think is interesting and, uh, I'll just make this quick comment, um, about uh, Peter Davison, uh, it, it it's a stark contrast in my mind because you see this older incarnation of the Doctor who comes off as a more childlike incarnation in my mind, and then when you get to Peter Davison, he's very young, but he plays the character almost like he's old on the inside. You see what mm -hmm. I mean? Uh, very similar to what Matt Smith did. Yes. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, at least towards the end of Matt Smith's run. Right. Um, uh, he, he, he's very, he's very young in the face, but very, very mature in, in his persona of the character. And, and I think there's a contrast there between Baker uh, and the way he played the character uh, because um, he just, he exudes this joy. You can tell that he's had an absolute joy and rapture playing this character, you know, um, and he said right. he said that it was effortless playing the character. He said it was almost like that he just walked on the set and just 
you know, said the lines and was himself on set. You know, it was that effortless for him. Um, and, uh, yeah, he's, he's always going to be in my, at least my top two. <laughs> well, that's fitting because he's my favorite doctor. Um, and if you guys were watching this podcast, you would know that I'm recording while wearing my fourth doctor scarf. So, um, which of course the most iconic, you know, piece of wardrobe, uh, in regards to, to the classic doctors, at least, um, well, any doctor, really any doctor, although some might argue about the, the, the bow tie, um, doesn't doesn't quite hold a candle to the scarf no, in my opinion no, 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 but no, no. you know the bow tie is very good too um <laughs> it's it's in our it's in our theme um <laughs> just as the scarf is but um how can you not just love uh, the doctor who every time he meets somebody offers them a jelly baby you know i mean <laughs> how how is that not just inviting you as the audience to come along and and get to know the character and um it's kind of funny because a lot of the, uh, the with Tom Baker, the character of the Doctor almost seems to settle down in some ways. Um, you know, as the character, as you know, sort of the the general idea of who the Doctor is, and everything else from that point, you know, is influenced heavily by how Tom Baker portrayed the character. Right. Um, but it's it's funny how you were saying how he's you know an old, you know, he's older than Peter Davison anyways, but he's a little bit of an older play character or actor playing a, a very childlike, you know, doctor in some respects, mm -hmm. which is true. But of course, you know, if things go bad and he has to do something, you know, as with all the doctors, you don't want to cross him. <laughs> um, well, the doctor can be scary if he wants to be. Yes. He can be very scary if he wants to, but back to the childlike aspect <laughs> um, in his first storyline, you know, the, the ending of that first storyline as he's getting ready to go off in the TARDIS with Sarah Jane Smith and, um, oh goodness, who's the other companion that he goes, uh, the, I want to say Ian, but that's the actor's name. I can't remember. Um, <sighs> I... he calls Sarah old girl and she cannot stand it. Um, anyways, that's going to bother me now. Um, I'm going to look it up, at, you know, in here in a minute, but because um, <laughs> that's going to bother, bother me so bad. Um, but as he's getting ready to go off in the TARDIS there, um, he's pouting about something. And Sarah Jane says, Doctor, you're being childish. He goes, of course I am. There's no point to be grown up if you can't be childish sometimes, which is one of my favorite quotes of all time. Um, so, uh, which I have used on occasion. He just has know. this lightheartedness about him, you know. Oh, yeah. It, it it was, and, you know, it makes sense that you said it, it seemed effortless for Tom Baker because to us, to me, it seems like he's just effortless, effortlessly portraying this character, um, you know, and as the longest running doctor um, of any of them, uh, he must have been doing something right. Exactly. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> you know, he's he's had... The most diverse range of coats to scarves and, you know, everything in between. He, you know, he's got, gets a new coat about every season and a half to go with that scarf. And then the very <laughs> last season, he changes his multicolored scarf to a red and purplish scarf. And I was sad because I love the multicolored scarf. Um, That's my favorite. But I know. Yeah. 
But uh, I know some people really do like his red outfit. But anyways, it's a cool looking outfit. But I missed the scarf. Um, uh, and and there's a throwback to that with Sylvester McCoy when he's trying to figure out which outfit he wants to wear, and he steps out and he's wearing the outfit with the the uh, purplish colored scarf, and he goes, ah, old hat, and takes the hat yes. off and throws it. <laughs> yep. 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 Ah. Well, I mean, I think every doctor has had at least some reference to Tom Baker in some. <laughs> respect um and i know when david Tennant was going through his wardrobe to to find his new outfit as the 10th doctor uh there were both of the scarves were were hanging in that wardrobe so um that made me happy um (laughs) but anyway uh yeah tom baker is is and probably will forever be my favorite doctor um he just has this whimsy and charm and just fun with it even if the storyline isn't necessarily one of the good ones you don't mind so much because you love watching tom baker be the doctor um you know and any character that can walk up to the big villain and (laughs) would you like a jelly baby you know and that's misdirection as well it is misdirection. I think every doctor has some sort of misdirection with uh, Sylvester McCoy. It was the checkered, you know, pullover, the, the question mark pullover uh, with Troughton. It's his little persona, his little person persona. You know, some of the goofier doctors, it's their personality with uh, Hartnell. It was the fact that he was an old man uh, with Tom Baker. It's the fact that he's got this outrageous outfit, this giant mop of hair, and he's <laughs> offering you food, you know. Uh- Paul McGann actually uses that at one point in the movie. Uh, he, he walks up to the police officer and he says, uh, would you like a, would you like a jelly baby? <laughs> and then he, yes. he uses that as misdirection to steal the officer's gun. And then he says, now, would you let me buy before I shoot myself? <laughs> yeah, let me pass before I shoot myself. Yes. Um, that's great. Um, but yes, uh, I remember at one point um, that I can't remember which episode it was, but, Tom Baker offers somebody jelly babies and they knock the the jelly babies out of his hand and, you know, they hit the floor or whatever. And he turns to somebody, I think it's one of the henchmen. I think he turns to the henchman and says, never trust, you know, never trust someone who doesn't like jelly babies. Um, <laughs> uh, oh, and people that think that uh, Matt Smith was clever for doing the whole thing with the jammy dodger as the self-destruct button with the, the little cookie that's um, totally stolen from Tom Baker and a jelly baby. Um, he he gets surrounded by a group of, of tribal warriors, basically. He grabs one of them and sticks a jelly baby under the guy's nose. And he says, don't take another step or I'll kill him with this deadly jelly baby. You know. <laughs> and somebody threatens him and he goes, I never waste a jelly baby. And then he eats it very seriously in front of them um, before he's carted off uh, back to the village. So... Uh, oh well <laughs> Tom Baker did it first no <laughs> oh um, but yes he is and forever will be my favorite doctor I think um, it will take uh, an actor of incredible skill combined with incredible storytelling and an equally quirky outfit um, to come anywhere <laughs> near Tom Baker as my favorite doctor but we still have one more favorite doctor to get to. So, yes. Paul, who is your favorite doctor? Well, this may be kind of predictable for you, but my favorite, number one, is David Tennant. Um, 
there's there's no shame in that. <laughs> he, he is he is my all time favorite uh, to this point, and like we said, that may change tomorrow. But at this point, he's my favorite. Um, and let's be honest, he as we said before, he was a true fanboy. He got to play the role. Um, he grew up watching Tom Baker and uh, Peter Davison, especially. Uh, those were the two. Uh, that he started out with. And I think those two had the biggest influence on him. Um, mm-hmm. And I, <laughs> I thought it was funny. Uh, he, he was talking, I don't know if it was an interview or just a sound clip, but uh, uh, he said that he was absolutely thrilled to be able to play the character. He said it was, it was like childhood dream come true. But when they told him uh, that they wanted him to play the part, uh, he, he told him, he says, I only have one condition. And they said, what is that? He says, I get to wear a long coat. (laughs) Yes. So I I thought that was really good because that is a direct callback to the classic doctor, you know, um, Mm -hmm. because both both Baker and Davidson (laughs) have long coats. So uh, it makes sense. Yes, it makes sense. (laughs) Although I think tenants is longer. Uh, I think probably, I, I, <laughs> uh, I, I think it's interesting though, that he's wearing the Converse tennis shoes. Uh, and I, I think he said somewhere that it wasn't originally a style choice. It was one of these things where he was like, well, I'm doing an awful lot of running around the set. And he says, if I'm going to be doing all this running, I might as well at least have comfortable shoes. <laughs> you know. And it became a style choice because of the fact that he's wearing this proper, you know, suit and tie with these sneakers, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I thought that was just, you know, so outstanding that it, it, I think it looks really, really cool that way, especially with a long coat. I And I love it whenever he ends up dressing up in like a, a tux <laughs> and he's still got this converse. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> he, he's, he has to have some kind of splashy color, right? So you know, he's, got, of he's got those red converse on and, and that, uh, that dark suit. Uh, and, and I think it's it's interesting, too. I, I had not paid attention to this, but um, I think it was in one of the behind-the-scenes things for the, uh, uh, the 50th anniversary. Uh, he was talking about how they had a brown suit for him to wear, and I think it was a blue suit for him to wear. Mm-hmm. And he said that if he was doing an episode that went into the past – he wore this color suit. And if he, he was doing an episode that went into the future, he was wearing this colored suit. And yeah, it's, it just became a thematic thing for the show uh, to kind of, yes. as, as a, as an indicator without actually saying it as an indicator as to what, what direction in time he was moving as according to what color suit he was wearing. I do recall that. <laughs> and I think that started happening. I don't know if that happened in the first season, but I think it started happening in his second season when they brought in the other color suit. I don't remember exactly. I'm, I'm going to, I will find out, you know, um, <laughs> as I said, I'm only just a couple episodes into, into his run. Um, so uh, we will, we will see. I will, I will keep an eye out for that, but yes, no, there is no shame in David Tennant being your favorite. I mean, there'd be no shame if anybody was your favorite because <laughs> uh, it's the doctor for crying out loud. So um, <laughs> um, anybody's and, a good doctor. Let's be honest; he's got really cool hair, so you know <laughs> he does. It's like, man, I wish I could get my hair to behave like that. <laughs> of course, you know Tennant and Smith, for that matter, you know, have an army of hairstylists, you know, following them. Um, 
Let's be uh, honest. Uh, there's no way anybody gets their hair to look like that normally on a good day. You know, it's and stay like, that way know, all day long. Like, or stay <laughs> that way for all eternity, as the case may be. Um, uh, uh, but yes, uh, they have, an army of hairstylists is probably a pretty accurate description for, for those two. But this has been fun. Oh, Did you yeah. have any other final thoughts you wanted to give on any of the doctors? I know we, we just barely mentioned uh, Davison. I don't think we really got much into Paul Gann. Um, McGann. But, yeah, Paul McGann. Yes. You're Paul Gann. <laughs> See, this is probably not going to be the first time I make that mistake. Yes. Co-host, Paul Gann. <laughs> Dr. Paul McGann. Gotta have the Mick in there. McGann. Uh, yes, folks. I have the eighth doctor <laughs> as my co-host of the podcast. No. Um, but yes, no, we didn't really mention Davidson or McGann or uh, Hurt as the war doctor very much. No. But they they all deserve to be on somebody's list somewhere. Uh, it just happens to be our list. Um, and like we've said before, these lists could completely shuffle, you know, tomorrow or later tonight, as the case may be. <laughs> and, you know, it could be totally different. Um on any given day. And it's like um, you said, if we, if we added too many more honorable mentions in there, we would have talked about every single doctor and there would have been a, no point in having a top five. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. As it is, we hit almost all of them in our lists anyways, um, between the two of us. So, um, but yeah, no, this is, this has been a lot of fun and uh, coming down the road, we will probably end up doing a, an episode devoted specifically to each of the doctors individually. So, if we didn't talk about your favorite um, in any great detail tonight, uh, don't worry. We will get to them in the future. Um, and I'm actually looking very, very much looking forward to, to doing that. Um, don't know exactly when we will do that, um, but that's definitely on our list of episodes to get to. Um, our next episode will be fun. Uh, and this episode may or may not be posted before we record our next one. Um, that's a little up in the air as far as getting everything going on with the website and everything. Um, but we will be talking about our top five companions, um, you know, just sort of cover our bases. The first couple episodes that let you know our, our Doctor Who story, our favorite doctors and our favorite companions. Um, so if you want to chime in with some of your favorite companions, do so on our Facebook and Twitter. And we'll give you that information at the end um, of the show here. Um, I do want to let everybody know that, as of this recording, I will be going to Phoenix Comic-Con in a couple of days. Um, and as long as schedule and crowds permit, I will be attending a couple of Doctor Who panels. And um, I will attempt to record them um, with my, my little audio recorder. Um, and as long as the audio turns out good and the panel um, ends up being good, um, those panels may end up as bonus episodes here on the podcast. So... Um, look forward, uh, you know, keep an eye out for those. I do want to mention that. Um, is there anything else that you wanted to add about the doctors before we wrapped this up and started to not really, out the show? Not really about the doctors. I was going to say this though. Um, if, if there's a topic, uh, like a story arc or anything like that, that, uh, one of the listeners would like for us to talk about, we're, we're, we would be interested in hearing suggestions. Uh, so if you want to, yes. if you want to message us, uh, on Facebook or, or uh, send us an email uh, to our uh, uh, email account. Uh, we're, we're very open to suggestions to, to hear uh, what you guys would like to hear us talk about. 
Yes. Um, as, as we've said before, this is more of a discussion-based podcast. We will be doing reviews of the new episodes, and we'll go back and, and uh, definitely do as many reviews as possible for story arcs and other episodes um, that have, you know, both classic and new Who episodes. Um, not We're still figuring out what order we might want to do those in. Um, I don't think we'll do them in all, you know, in, you know, order of all the first Doctor, all the second Doctor, because then we'd be stuck in William Hartnell for, you know, months and months you know um <laughs> and and we'd like to break it up you know we may end up doing something where we skip around and you know do one of each or you know just sort of it's wibbly wobbly timey wimey folks so you know <laughs> we could end up doing matt smith one day and john you know, and not john hurt uh john pertwee the next episode you know who knows you know we, we may do something like that um it may just be one of those things where like i just watched this storyline let's talk about it so um <laughs> That could happen. Well, too, if we're so. if we're going to do a lot of jumping around and 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 have it, you know, okay, this time we're going to do this doctor, this time we're going to do, you know, the, the second doctor, the the third doctor, the fourth doctor. Uh, there's only one episode of the eighth doctor, so you know, when you yes. when you do the eighth doctor, you kind of probably have to make it a special event, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, I have not listened to any of the Big Finish audio yet because I, it's expense related because right. I know if I start. I will end up having to buy all of them <laughs> and I do not have the money to start yet. Um, so, uh, it, but as that happens, as I'm sure it will, uh, whenever I start you know, listening to the big finish uh, audio uh, dramas of, of the eighth doctor and the other doctors that they have, they have, audio they have Tom for, Baker uh, episodes now as well. They, I think they've got all of them except um, nine, 10, and so forth. I think they've got um, all the classic doctors um, one through eight. Um, and I think they they may be working on War Doctor stories, or that may just be me thinking about the War Doctor novel that they did. I don't remember. I but, think there's a War Doctor comic out at this point, too. Oh, I think. Cool. I have the War Doctor novel, and that's next on my list of novels to get to. So it's been next for like, you know, a month now. But. Um, Anyways, <laughs> but uh, yes, as we get into the big finish stuff, if we listen to some of that, we will probably end up talking about it here on the show as well. So, um, but like we said, if you have suggestions, feel free to, to get in contact with us. Um, our Facebook page is facebook.com slash talking time lords. You can tweet us at, at talking time lord. The email is talking time lords at gmail.com. Uh, we do have a website, which will be our one-stop shop, you know, once we get that all finished up and we're, you know, I'm about ready to start really taking some time and getting that set up. Um, uh, and that'll be your one-stop shop to figure out all the you know good places to get in touch with us. And that is talkingtimelords.com. So, um, any final thoughts before we wrap up this episode, Paul? Can't think of anything. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, so much for listening to this episode of Talking Time Lords. This has been episode number two, our top five doctors. For Paul, I'm Jason. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, may you hope far-flung hopes and dream impossible dreams. Thanks, everybody.